This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Trash Talk with TK. I am TK. Tom Kelly and the Sixers regular season has finally concluded. These last couple weeks have been, let's just face it, I mean, absolutely brutal. Watching this team play meaningless games uh, at the end of the season. I mean, what the honest truth is, ever since that Boston game uh, a few weeks back, none of the rest of the season mattered. I mean, you saw what you wanted to see, which was them beat Milwaukee on the road, beat Boston at home, and after that, it was the regular season for all intents and purposes. For all intents and purposes, was over. I mean, everybody knew at that point the Sixers were going to be the three seed, barring something completely unforeseen. Um, these guys, they know the end of these, the, uh, of this season did not matter playing these bad teams. I think a lot of the, uh, worry, a lot of the panic displayed by people, uh, in regards to the Sixers struggling late in the season against some of these bad teams, your Atlanta's and your, your Dallas's, whatever game it may be was way overblown. I mean, the Sixers weren't weren't focused for those games, and I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, you see this across the league with teams who are cemented in the playoffs that they're just not that focused toward the end of the regular season. They have one eye toward the playoffs. The playoffs are all that matters in this league. And the last couple weeks, as far as the performance on the floor, I, I don't really take a lot from it. But what emerged... On Wednesday night, before the game against the Bulls, was deeply troubling. Deeply troubling. Whether you think there's a lot to it or not, the fact that that this even occurred is deeply troubling, deeply concerning. And that was, of course, Elton Brand, uh, prior to the game, holds a media availability. And really, out of, out of nowhere, I, I mean, I don't think anybody even expected this basically said there's a possibility Joel Embiid is not ready to go for game one of the playoffs against the Nets on Saturday. And you could tell the assembled media was shocked. I mean, there were follow-ups after follow-up. And, you know, I I think people were really taken aback by that even being a possibility because nobody expected that. Nobody expected that to be the case after... You know, for weeks, this team has been reiterating to the fans and to the media that, you know, he's been resting just load management and they're just getting him ready for the postseason. Anytime there were questions asked about whether there is more than meets the eye here, whether there's more concern that should be had about the health of Joel Embiid, they've swept it under the table. They have pretty much time and time again told us that there's no reason for concern, no reason for worry, nothing to see here. Joel Embiid's fine. He will be ready to go come playoff time. And the fact that Elton Brand said that on Wednesday, I don't 
I don't understand why he would say that if there was nothing wrong. There's just nothing to gain. I mean, I think on one hand, I'm hoping that this is some kind of of ploy, if you will, to throw the Brooklyn Nets off the scent and, you know, maybe gain some sort of competitive advantage, even though I don't put a lot of stock in that. I mean, the, the Brooklyn Nets are going to prepare for the Sixers as if Joel Embiid is playing, and as they should. So I don't know what you really need to gain from that. Also, I don't understand why you need to do that against an opponent like the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you should be able to come out and beat this team soundly. So I don't really get why Elton Brand would say that unless there's something more going on with this knee injury than we know. And if there is something more going on than we know, that's a really bad look for the organization. You know, and I understand that organizations aren't always forthright, aren't always completely truthful, aren't always completely out there and open with with injury information. Is They're just not going to come out and tell the whole story unprompted, and I get that. But with this organization specifically, and the history that they have of PR disasters and injury misinformation and time and time again, either, you know, at times, you know, under Brian Colangelo, be it not not the management currently in place now, but at times just straight up lying. Because if you remember back when Joel Embiid had the torn meniscus now just over two years ago, Brian Colangelo just flat out lied. I mean, he just flat out lied to the fans and lied to the media. And when you add in the whole Markel Fultz situation and all the shadiness that has gone on with this organization and how they handle injuries and how they communicate injuries, there is reason for skepticism. And there is extra incentive for them not to do this. There is extra incentive for them for them to be out, out front and open. And if it comes out now that they have been misleading people again over the past few weeks and that coming out of the All-Star break, there was something legitimately wrong with Joel Embiid, and this was not just a pure load management issue, but this was a real legitimate concerning knee injury that they purposely did not tell anybody about for two months now. That's a really bad look for the organization. An organization that already has trust issues. An organization that already has credibility issues with the media in this town and with its fan base. That's a real bad look. My read on it is I would assume it's probably a little worse than they've been letting on. At the same time, I don't think this is anything that is going to keep him out this weekend. Obviously, I could be wrong. I hope I'm not wrong. I hope I'm right. I believe Joel Embiid will be on the floor Saturday afternoon for game one. And, you know, I would expect unless, you know, an injury occurs, hopefully not, of course, that Joel Embiid will play throughout the postseason, however long that is. But either way, it's a bad look. The fact that they had an opportunity to clear it up last night and didn't do it is frustrating. Again, they put Brett Brown, who regardless of what you think of Brett Brown as a coach, you got to feel for the way this organization continues to throw him to the wolves. 
and the way they continue to to uh, you know leave him in these bad positions to face the media when he he shouldn't be put in these spots. He's put in these in these terrible positions where he's got to answer questions about Joel Embiid's health on a comment that he didn't even make. Elton Brand made that comment. And Elton Brand, you know, should be held responsible for 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 making an offhanded comment like that and then never really fully addressing it. If there's something wrong with him, tell us what it is. If there's not, don't play these gamesmanship games and say there's a chance he might not play this weekend. So it's frustrating. It's it's on some levels concerning. In the end, I do think Embiid will play. And, you know, when you look at the series now, taking the Embiid injury thing out of it and assuming he will be on the floor, because I think that's a general assumption, is that he will be on the floor. When I look at this series, I thought earlier in the year that Brooklyn was a tough matchup for the Sixers, and I do think they present some issues with Russell and Dinwiddie, the way the Sixers have trouble defending playmaking guards, it could put the Sixers in some compromising positions defensively. But the way the Sixers played Brooklyn this year and the way they played Orlando this year, I am happier to see Brooklyn than Orlando. I am. I think Orlando really gave the Sixers trouble more than anything. Have a guy in Vucevic who could somewhat match up with Joel Embiid. When I look at this series and why I think the Sixers clearly hold an advantage and should win this series relatively easily, it is because of that matchup. And it is because of the fact that you watch the last time these two teams played. Over the course of the year, they split a four-game series two-piece. But look at the last time these two teams played, which is the best barometer because that's the one game that was played since the Tobias Harris trade. That's the one game that was played since the Sixers were at full strength, like they should be this weekend. The Nets had absolutely no way to deal with Joel Embiid. You know, Jared Allen is somewhat of a nice player. They have Ed Davis. They don't have anybody who can match up with Joel Embiid. And I don't think Joel Embiid will have any problems dominating this series. And, you know, he better be healthy because if he is, he will be the difference. And even though D'Angelo Russell and Dimwitty, they can fill it up, and I'm sure they will a time or two in this series. As a whole, Brooklyn can't deal with Embiid. And I think the Sixers have too much. If I had to make a selection, which I will, I will say Sixers in five. I think it'll be somewhat of a tough tough five Brooklyn, they'll probably get that game three, which you see so often in these in these series where the home team, their first game at home, um, they'll get that game three. And then game I could see game four being tough. Sixers pull it out in the end. A kind of similar series to Miami last year. I think Brooklyn is a tougher matchup than Miami was last year uh, because they're just more talented. But at the same time, they're younger. The Sixers actually come into this series as the more experienced postseason team, you know, with that taste of the playoffs, these guys on Brooklyn, they do not have a lot of postseason experience. I do think that matters um, a bit. And I think the Sixers will win this series in five games. When I look at some of the other series um, in the East, I think it's, it'll, it'll be pretty much chalk. I think the Raptors will beat Orlando easily. I think, 
uh, Milwaukee will will easily dispose of Detroit. The Boston-Indiana series could be compelling. Um, I, I like Boston in six in that series. I think Indiana can get a couple games, but I like Boston. I think they're the better team. I think they're the deeper team. Um, when I look out West in the first, in the first round, I think the West is much more interesting. Once you get beyond that, it's probably the East, but you look out West, the Warriors take care of the Clippers, Spurs and Nuggets. I like the Nuggets in five or six in that series. Uh, some of the, uh, the, the other two series are the interesting ones. You got Thunder at Blazers. The Blazers have had just nightmarish postseason appearances. I mean, Time after time, they are just, last year they were a three seed. They got swept by New Orleans, uh, and I think they got a tough matchup here. I do. I, I I like Oklahoma City in seven. I think that's going to be probably the best series of the first round. The other series you have, the four or five, got Houston and Utah. I like Houston in five in this series. I think it'll be a competitive series, but I like Houston in five. Then beyond that, you look at the Western Conference beyond that. Um, that If things go the way I see them going, you'd have Denver and OKC. I think OKC could give Denver a real good series. I'd probably take, probably take Denver to win it, even though I wouldn't be shocked to see OKC win it. I'd probably rather see OKC win it because I think they are the more um, entertaining team. And I think they would give either Houston or Golden State a tougher matchup in the West Finals. Uh, in that West Semis, though, I, I uh, Golden State and Houston could end up being the series of the postseason. It really could. They're the two best teams in the West. It's a shame the way the things played out that they will probably end up meeting in the semis instead of the conference finals uh, because they're the two best teams in the West. In the West, I think Houston is the only team that has any kind of chance to defeat Golden State, I don't think it'll happen. I like Golden State in six, but Houston almost did it last year. Um, and I think that'll be a good series. I take Golden State in six, and I think Golden State would easily take care of Denver. So I have Golden State in the finals. You go back east, you'd have um, the Celtics and Bucks in the semis. I would take the Bucks in six in that series. Then Sixers-Raptors. And, you know, I, I'm kind of conflicted. Because on one hand, I do think that people are selling the Sixers a little short as far as their potential. I think the Sixers have potential to go deep. But at the same time, I can't pick them against Toronto. I think I, I've been saying for months now, I think Toronto is a bad matchup. I would have very much preferred the Sixers to fall to fourth and play the Pacers in the first round. Not as much for the first round matchup, but to set up a matchup with Milwaukee in the second round because I think that's a better matchup for the Sixers. I think the Sixers would have had a decent chance to beat Milwaukee. I think they match up well with them. Um, I think they could beat Toronto. I don't think it's impossible, as a lot of people are saying. But I would probably, at this point, take Toronto in six. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, I'd take Toronto to beat Milwaukee. I think Toronto is the best team in the East. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is an incredible player. So is Giannis, obviously. But uh, the Raptors are the deepest team. The Raptors... I think are poised to take that step this year. I hope I'm wrong, but um, I like the Raptors to come out of the East. I like a Raptor warrior final in which I see golden state repeating again. So they're my kind of uh, that's my, my outlook at this point. When I look at the NBA playoffs, um, I have Sixers going out in the second round. I don't think it's impossible. They go deeper. It is not, 
If Joel Embiid is healthy, the Sixers are capable of beating anybody. I truly believe that. If Joel Embiid is healthy and this team is clicking, they can beat anybody. But until you see it, it's kind of hard to just believe that's going to be the case. So there are my thoughts on the NBA playoffs. Next up, let's talk a little TV, shall we? Now, I got to talk a little TV. Game of Thrones. We are less than three days away now. Uh, about three days away. I, I I just can't wait. I am so overwhelmed with excitement for Game of Thrones. First of all, I've been talking about it for a while. This weekend is going to be awesome. NBA playoffs starting up. Game of Thrones. The Masters. It is going to be one of the most epic entertainment weekends in a long time. I am I am so ready to just be entertained. I I plan on being thoroughly entertained this weekend for basketball game Saturday, for basketball game Sunday, uh Masters weekend, Game of Thrones at 9. I can't wait. And uh this morning, earlier this morning I was uh on the WIP morning show filling in for Rhea and we were talking a lot about TV shows um based off Game of Thrones returning and you know, some of the best TV shows of all time. And I uh, I unleashed my top five on Twitter, which I got some blowback for. And I, I want to go over them real quick and explain my reasoning here. Number five, I have Lost. And I, I know a lot of people, Lost is a very controversial show as far as whether people think it's good or not. I really liked Lost. Um, I understand at times it went off the rails. It got very convoluted and complicated and it wasn't always the best, but I thought it had some great characters. I thought it was a tremendous television show. It was one of the first like really epic events and I didn't catch up until right before the last season, but it was one of those first true like epic dramas that has has kind of now become the norm. And I know a lot of people don't like it. That's fine. You don't have to. I do. And I thought lost overall was very good. I have that number five. Number four, I have The Sopranos. Now, The Sopranos, again, one of those shows on the forefront of the hour-long TV drama. This one, especially different because on HBO, unedited, uncut, uh, and it was really the first of its time. And such an innovative show. Um, I, I am in the process of re-watching it now, almost finished re-watching it. It, it holds up very well. Uh, very interesting. Some really likable, some not so likable characters. But it holds up really well and is a very entertaining show to watch. Um, I'm a big Sopranos fan. And for what it did for TV, because it really was innovative TV at the time, I go number four for Sopranos. Uh, number three, I have Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is outstanding. That's another show I was late on. I didn't catch up till the very end. Um, but Breaking Bad was was tremendous. And I know a lot of people don't like, you know, me putting Breaking Bad ahead of Sopranos. And, you know, we'll agree to disagree on that one. I just enjoyed Breaking Bad more. I thought Breaking Bad was the better television show. I, I thought it was, it was um, you know, both similar in terms of length, which I think matters. Sopranos is probably a little longer, more episodes per season, but 
Breaking Bad, I really like the story. The evolution of Walter White is one of the most fascinating evolutions of a character you will ever see in television. I mean, the from where that guy started to where he ended up is one of the most fascinating transformations you will ever see of a character in movies, TV, books, anywhere. He's just unbelievable. And it is a tremendous show. Uh, I have that number three. Number two, and this is where you kind of get into, you know, it gets a little convoluted when you're mixing genres. But based off, you know, just television alone. And if you're not discriminating on genres and you're just going all TV, Seinfeld. Seinfeld again, an innovative show, a show that changed television, uh, the best half hour sitcom of all time. I don't think it's anywhere close. Um, I, I, you know, when people say Friends is better than Seinfeld, it drives me out of my mind. Friends stinks. I don't care what anybody says. Friends, I think, is awful. The Office is good, but The Office isn't Seinfeld. Seinfeld is unbelievable. Again, another show that maybe the most impressive thing about Seinfeld is it was made 20 to 25 years ago, and it still holds up. Still holds up. It's still tremendous, still so entertaining. Seen the episodes a billion times, and I could still watch them. They are so great. The writing is so well done. The acting is is tremendous. Uh, Jason Alexander is George. Um, Michael Richards is tra- as Kramer. Uh, two of the best characters in the history of television. So I go Seinfeld number two and number one, of course, Game of Thrones. I know Game of Thrones. Uh, you know the thing about Game of Thrones that that people say that bothers me is the people that hate on Game of Thrones are the people that haven't watched it. Seriously. I mean, you have people say, oh, it's for nerds, dragons, whatever. It's for, you know, for for nerds and losers and stuff. Well, you either have not seen it or you just have bad taste. And, you know, normally I don't like to make those kind of blanket statements, but it's true. Game of Thrones is the most well-written, the most advanced, the most complex show you will ever see the storyline of this television show the amount of characters the amount of simultaneous events is so complex and the job that these showrunners have done with it is unbelievable it is absolutely unbelievable season seven i will admit at times got a little off the rails a little thrown off kilter but in general this show is just it transcends television. It transcends the the genre of fantasy dramas. I, it is. I I've never seen anything like it. And you know the characters are are unbelievable. I mean, so many characters in this show in this show are just my favorites ever. Obviously, Jon Snow, my favorite character in the history of television, is Arya Stark. I think she is the coolest most badass character in the history of television. A girl who who transforms from this little girl who's a tomboy into this stone-cold assassin, maybe the most dangerous person in the entire world of Game of Thrones. I mean, it is incredible. You're talking about transformations of characters. How about the transformation of Jamie Lannister? You know, maybe comparable to Walter White, really. 
Uh, Walter Roy, the way he transforms from this, you know, mild-mannered protagonist to this cold-hearted, you know, somewhat villain, you see the complete opposite in Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister is a character that you could not hate more after the first episode of the show. Pushes a, a child from a tower, crippling him for life, while having, you know, relations with his sister. And by the middle of the third season into the fourth, fifth season, he becomes this lovable protagonist who you are rooting for because he goes through some of the some awful trials and tribulations himself, being tortured, getting his hand cut off, and totally transforms as a character to the point where you are rooting for this guy to succeed. You want him to live. You want him to be one of one of the people who survives. And it's incredible. And it's it's so many characters throughout the show. I mean, uh, maybe the two most evil characters in the history of TV in Game of Thrones, in, in Joffrey Lannister, or Joffrey Baratheon. He is, you know, actually Lannister, if you've seen the show. But Joffrey Baratheon and, and Ramsay Bolton. I mean, I think two. I think the two most evil characters in the history of TV. They are literally the two most evil characters I've ever seen. And seeing them die in the horrible fashion they died in was so satisfying. Game of Thrones is an event every week. There's only six left, which makes me so sad. But it starts Sunday night. I can't wait. Uh, we will have your Game of Thrones podcast. Myself, Andrew Porter, Dave Breitmeyer, Bill Kornfeld. We will have your podcast after every episode uh, right on 94WIP.com where you can find Trash Talk with TK and all our podcasts at the station. We will have our Game of Thrones podcast. Be sure to listen to it. You will not want to miss it. We will break down everything that happened in the episode. Help you make sense of everything. I like to think I know a lot about it. I've read all the books. I am very plugged into Game of Thrones. We will have all that info for you and break down the following week's episode uh, on all those podcasts. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And that is Trash Talk with TK. I will be back with you Saturday night into Sunday morning on 94 WIP. Uh, breaking down game one of the Sixers Nets. Also, I will be back on the morning show in Faria with John Johnson and Al Morganti on Friday morning, live from the Borgat. So stay tuned, 94 WIP. Then I will talk to you guys. Then I'll talk to you with Trash Talk with TK again shortly. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.